eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. You going to mix some bad rhymes with those two headsets? I mean, I feel like this is going to be a DJ show for the ages. Oh, I'm telling you. I only had a turntable right here. This is two turntables and a microphone? All right. We'll get started. <laughs> That's what we got. <laughs> Welcome to NASCAR America Debrief. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, joined today by Dale Earnhardt Jr., Steve Wittart, who just wrapped up NASCAR America, where we had a lot of news to reveal. Do we have to have this equipment conversation to start this off, or can we just <laughs> skip skip the... Okay, real quick. Let's There's these Let's filters on the microphones that move all around, because Nate ordered the cheapest ones off Amazon, and he's currently wearing two headsets, and it's uncomfortable. Dale, do you agree it's uncomfortable? It is. Okay. It's very uncomfortable. It's I just want to get that out of the way so the fans knew what we had to put up with. So anyway, uh, NASCAR America today. We had some news that we covered, and then we had some news that you broke, Dale Jr., which was Racing to the Finish Line, your new book. You know, we made it sound like the, I blew a motor in the last race I ran. <laughs> Did you not? Oh, yeah. Like from turn four to the finish you know line was... We had some news that you broke. <laughs> yes, it was the transmission. I thought it was the rear end housing. Yeah. Or I thought it was the rear gear. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's just the race car driver. I know. When you no one else is going to understand anything of what I just I said. You. Broke is a bad word. Yes. It's like seven a craft table. <laughs> that's you it. You don't talk about breaking Broke nothing. is a bad word. Oh, yeah. Ooh, you you don't say broke to drivers. Uh -uh. It's good in the news Because that's like, hey, man, how'd you run? We broke. Yeah. Oh, you broke. Bro broke is good in the news business. Though. Oh, yeah, okay. It, it's good it in the news means, business. It means, right. you know. When, it's a transition. When, we'll get there. When news breaks here, we fix it. And <laughs> today we fixed it by revealing that you're yes. writing this book called Race, Racing to the Finish Line, co-authored by Ryan McGee, who is also here today. I was talking to him earlier. Tell us about the book. I mean, you, you said that on NASCAR America just now that you went through some really dark moments yeah. during your concussion recovery. Yeah, so uh, during my recovery, I did not. I wasn't completely transparent with everything that I was going on. I mean, I, I didn't feel any need to, and I also wanted to be able to avoid any stigmas should I decide to return or, or really for the rest of my life. I just, you know, wasn't, wasn't sure whether I wanted to be completely open with everything that I was experiencing. There were a lot of things that I covered up that I can reveal that I couldn't reveal then. And so for a lot of different reasons, and when you read the book, you'll understand, uh, you know, exactly, maybe you'll understand a little bit about why that, you know, that was the way it was. So I'm in a position today where I can, I can tell that story without any repercussions, negative repercussions. So I, and I'm not concerned with the stigma anymore. I'm not gonna, you know, I, you know, I've made my decision to retire from racing and I've got, you know, a great opportunity going forward. And so I feel like that I can tell the tell the story and share with everybody everything that was going on through that whole process. I think that it'll help a lot of my fans who didn't know what was happening and wonder why I retired so soon when I had, you know, a few possibly a few good years left. Um just purely based on that off of my age. You know, a lot of people wonder why I quit early, so to speak. So I think this will answer those questions and make it perfectly clear why I decided to get out of full-time cup racing. 
And the the other reason to write it, and and also it's important to include, really I'm including a lot of people, but also including my doctor in this book and writing it, it will not be a medical journal. It's basically going to be, from my perspective, everything that happened. But my doctor's going to lend a lot of credibility to why I was feeling the way I was or thinking the way I was and what we did to fix it and how we, what, why, he chose, why he went that route to improve me and make the decisions we made. So he'll bring a lot of credibility to uh, the book. And in turn, I think that will allow people going through the same situation to trust what they're reading and, and learn, and, and, and it'll help them, hopefully. So I want to... I love helping people. I love being able to be in a position to help people. And I think with this opportunity, I am in the position to help people. Um, and being in a situation where if, if you're, if you have a concussion, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of unknowns, a lot of concerns, a lot of doubts, and it's constant. It's there every day because you can't get it out of your mind. The issues that you're dealing with are there every moment of the day. You can't escape thinking about what's happening to you you don't get a break where you can go and sit in a chair and relax so you're constantly going through this anxiety over it i think this reading this book may help someone understand there's a purpose and a path to to getting well also i think it'll help the hardest part is trying to explain to someone who's never had a concussion so Maybe you got a family member or uh, someone you know very that's very you know someone you know that's in your inner circle that's going through a concussion. You can read this book and maybe get a sense of what their life's like and what they're dealing with, and have a better appreciation on how not only uh, an appreciation for what they're going through, but uh, understand how to help them, how to be part of their process going forward, how to help relieve stress and anxiety in their in during their recovery. You know, because with 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 when you when you reduce the anxiety and reduce the stress in that rehabilitation, it improves and speeds up, and and you get well faster. So I'm excited about it. I'm, my co-writer is uh, Ryan McGee, and uh, we've known him a really long time, been good pals, and we're having a lot of fun hanging out, and and I'm I'm having a lot of fun sort of educating him about everything that went down, and you know, one of the one one of the key components to the book is these notes that I took and so which which you took on your phone right I, I was told right this is all on your notes yeah. app on your iPhone that's crazy so when <laughs> yeah all right I mean to be frank when when I got hurt in 2012 when I was on my way to go see my doctor I wrote down everything that I had felt and I wanted to hand to him basically a big you know two-page essay of my feelings and my you know my symptoms right and I think that with that information he he was able to help diagnose me when I started uh, dealing with symptoms again or would be in a crash uh, from 2012 to 2016 when I was out of the car again right uh, there's a lot of experiences in there and I wrote notes after every accident that I had I would write a note about how I felt immediately after the accident i'd write later that night at home i'd write the next morning i'd write the next afternoon monday afternoon monday evening tuesday morning tuesday afternoon tuesday evening i rode and rode and wrote till i went to the next race and uh anytime i was in any kind of an accident i wrote notes for a week about it for, for like five seasons dating back for to years. 2012 and so we we take the we take 
the bulk of these notes and really writing the book with that. And that helps explain really where we, how we got to where we were in 2016 and, uh, you know, the whole process of getting, of the whole pro, then there's the explanation in the book of how bad 2016 got. What were my physical and mental limitations and, and how, really what, what was I doing every day, right? And people saw me at the racetrack a couple times, but otherwise, you know, I uh, was out of sight and out of mind. And uh, this gives people a bit of a glimpse into the experience that we went through and uh, how my doctor told got me out of that right you know for the second time in my life he saved me i'm telling you man without my doctor being the therapist and psychologist (laughs) that he was i don't know that i'd have made it out of that right right i was i mean there was so many times when it was bad 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 and i wanted to give up or i thought that this was life as i know it for the rest of my life and i told him a couple times i'm like "I, i i cannot live this way I can't live my life like this. Tell me, you know, if this is, and I don't want to get too deep in, I mean, I'm already probably further along than I wanted to in this podcast, but, you know, this book really opens up a lot of information that only Amy and my doctor knew, and there's some information in there that Amy and my doctor didn't even know until I was willing to share these notes. And um, I don't like... When somebody says, uh, when somebody comes up to me and says, "Man, why'd you quit? Why'd you stop racing?" I want to answer that question, and this book's going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know. So the book starts in 2012 with the concussion caused you to sit out at Charlotte and uh, Kansas. You were a part of all that, Steve. When you hear all this, well, I told him uh, during the show. It? You know, I'm excited to read the book. Um, you know, it's one of those things that that. As Dale said, so I've been fortunate enough to never had a concussion that I can recall or remember. So, you know, it's hard for my brain to get around the fact of what it's like. Uh, You know, even talking to him, we've had conversations, but it's still, you know, it's hard. It's hard to get my brain around it. So, like I I said on the show, the simple fact is, looking back at 2012, you know, I had a responsibility as a crew chief, just like a head coach does, just like a, a, you know, a... Uh, athletic director at a high school you know we all have these responsibilities and i mean concussion was something i knew existed and heard about him in the nfl but we i mean it was nothing that was prevalently discussed even i go back to the day at kansas where you know we had that big shot and then talladega and i you know in my mind i can connect the dots right but so i feel that i'm excited to read the book a because it's his story b because I feel like if a book like that would have existed in 2012, could I have been a better friend, a better crew chief, a better team? I, I don't know, but I think someone out there will read this book and then be in that position. And it might be for a 10-year-old girls soccer player. It might be for a senior football player. I, I don't know who it is. I know that Dale and I have had conversations. My son races, right? So when he had a big crash the other time, you know, I text him. He's like, and he instantly had these questions like, well, do you know, is this hurt? Does he have a headache or have this or have that? And – as silly as that sound, that was comforting because it was so scary for me because I didn't know what to expect. I kind of used Dale as a little sounding board that, well, no, no, none of those things are happening. He goes, well, that's, those are all good signs, you know. So he was kind of my sounding board. I think this book will just make everyone smarter. And that's really the idea, right? The idea is he gets to tell a story, which should be great. I'm going to go order my copy. And mine's going to be signed, too, by the way. Rick's not going to get the only one. Um, but more than that, I feel like I'm going to be smarter. And that's really right. why I enjoy reading is – is you know we all as a society have an obligation to become smarter people right yeah. one of the biggest frustrating things about the whole 
experience for me is trying to explain uh, and and explain in detail what I went through and somebody understand it who's not had a concussion. It'd be like if an alien flew from out of space right. and landed on Earth and he tried to tell you how he got here, you wouldn't be able to comprehend it. And that's how trying to explain to someone what going through a concussion's like. It's, you know, unless they've done it, they can't understand what foggy sure, means. Sure. They can't understand right. what being disconnected means or not being in the moment means. And there's really not a lot of analogies that fit uh, what, you know, right. what experiencing a concussion is like. Yeah. There's not a lot of things that I can tell that I can use that you've been through that right. you could relate to it. Other than being, sh- you know, other than, be- other than being hammered drunk. You know, I mean, in the in the deep, deep throes of it, when it was as bad as it could get in 2016, it's like waking up every day being plastered drunk, and it's it's a constant. You know, when you when you when you go out and drink with your friends and you have too much to drink, you know, four or five hours later it goes away, and it, and you know it will. Well, when you're in the in the middle of a concussion, it's not going away, and it's constant all day, and you know you're going to wake up with it tomorrow. And there's, and it's you can't tie a shoe, you can't buckle a belt, you know, using your fingers like you take that shit for granted every day, but you go down to tie your shoes in the morning and you're fumbling, right? Like you're really really drunk is the that's really the only analogy I've ever been able to find, and, and that only explains the, the the physical mechanics of it, you know, the actual, um, you know, actual. It doesn't. It, nothing. I've not found anything that explains the mental side of it, and the anxiety, and the depression, and the the fogginess, and the feeling completely out of your body and disconnected. I, I don't. I've never experienced anything like it to be able to say this is what it's like. And and I'm always. I'm, I feel like I'm damn good with analogies, and this <laughs> one's always had me stuck. Right. So if the book can explain that to people. Then, then we've done something. Well, it's all about, it sounds like, raising awareness, which since the 2012 news conference where you guys are both at Charlotte mm-hmm. and explaining what was happening, what's going on, I've always felt, Dale, that that's been kind of your goal in spreading the word. I remember vividly, like you talking about, you know, every concussion is different. They're like snowflakes, speaking of yeah. analogy. That's one I've heard you say before, and I think that helps people understand the issue. And it reminds me of when Magic Johnson contracted HIV, he said that he wanted to become a spokesman for the virus. Yeah. And at the time, I was like, I, I don't understand that. I, I don't, what does he mean? And now, like when I hear you talk about concussions, it almost feels like that's what you, you're like a spokesman for. Obviously, nobody wants a concussion. Nobody wants yeah. to be a spokesman for right. an affliction like that. But you're sort of spreading the word like, hey, this is what it is, like Magic did with, with HIV and AIDS. This is what it is, and this is how you can deal with it and get better. Yeah, and I, I, I like to do that as long as uh, – I like to do it in a setting when I'm around people who are wanting to hear it, you know, and, right. and happy yeah. ha- that when, when, you know, I don't want to go anywhere and push anything on people, uh, that they don't believe in or don't have time for. That's never been. That's the beauty of books. Yeah. I know it sounds silly, but that's the beauty no, right. of, of lit- like been around for thousands it's of a, years for a reason because right. super comfortable. Because if you want to read whatever you want to read, it's a personal choice. Yeah. So I don't, uh, I'm not going, I've never, I don't think that I would be the kind of person that would try to get in front of NASCAR and influence them in any way to do anything different than they're doing. But if somebody says, hey, man, I heard, you know, I, I want to help anybody I can help. And if they come up and say, I, I'm, I'm 
dealing with some stuff. What did, what do I need to do? And I'm, that's when I get fired up. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, I got you. Yeah. You just wait. And, uh, so that's exciting for me. I was walking around the greatest thing. I was, the, the, the best thing that could happen is if somebody comes up to me after they read the book and say, this book helped me, uh, or it helped a friend of mine. Uh, they got, you know, they got in touch with the right doctor and now, you know, they've been dealing with this thing for two years and they've, they've finally got in front of the right guy and now they're, you know, four or five weeks later, they're cleared and back to work. You know, I went to Daytona this year and was walking around in the garage and this two brothers, these two young brothers, 20, 21, 22 year old kids came up to me with their dad and they were like, uh, one of them introduced me and he said, he said, man, I want to tell you, uh, hearing your story about how you went to, uh, see Mickey in Pittsburgh. So it's helped me cause I, I was having trouble and couldn't, couldn't, I've uh, been in front of like four or five different doctors. I finally went to see Mickey in Pittsburgh and he fixed it and I'm just got back to work. And that's the greatest feeling, you know, because I know when I was sick, how helpless I felt and how scared to death I was. And I know when I see someone and, and somebody says, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. Well, I know they're scared and I know they're helpless. And I know that I can, I know the guy that can fix it. Right. You know, and it's such right. a great feeling connecting that. Yeah. You know, and getting them well. Yeah. So speaking of books, you, you can't relate to Dale Jr. from the concussion standpoint. <laughs> no, no. But books, actually, it's funny you bring that up. Hey, I know that well, you I'm can excited. Sort of relate well, to that. Well, you know, uh, so Nate and I, you know, we've been working on that project. We're reliving the years that Dale and I worked together. Um, hopefully that book will be out early summer, maybe May or June. Um, but it's funny. May or June, it's, that's now. That's now. It's coming yeah. out in a few weeks. A few weeks. It's the final stages. So, 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 so the story. Of Nate, much like Ryan helped you, Nate is um, helping me write this book, and I'm proud because, much like you talking about concussions, I'm writing about the time we worked together because it was a blast. It was kind of we talking about Matt Kenseth coming back to Roush and trying to rebuild it, and like it's like a career signature thing. When I look at my career, what we did for those four years was kind of like the best part of the career, and it's funny. Because we, Nate, you and I have relived all these moments through 12 and through all this stuff. So it's going to be interesting. Now, my book is much more funny stories, leadership, reliving the times, good and bad. Um, so they're very different books, but it's interesting because they come through the same sort of time period. Yeah, but, uh, well, it's been interesting to go through the process with Steve Dale because uh, we started this. Is it, can I reveal when we started this? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a pet project. We started this three years ago, yeah. and we didn't know how long it would take. And We didn't even know how to write a book. Steve has joked that if we did again, it would probably take three months, maybe yeah, six. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> six probably at the <laughs> yeah. most. And because and we know now what we didn't know then. And this is – I mean, y you haven't done a book this way, I don't think, before, nope. right? So yeah. but you've had books done about you. I know sure. that Jay did Driver 8 and yep. there are other, other books about Hey, just so you know, he read it. So if ours isn't yeah. very good, he gets <laughs> yeah. like, like, yeah. I'm a little well, – you know. Dale wrote the foreword, so I'm hoping that like we get a little no, bit of approval. No, but it's um, been a fun project. And um, – so I, I'm not going to pretend that I can relate to the concussions, but reliving the moments with you, even though it's taken us three years, yeah. really made me appreciate all of the moments that Dale and I worked together. It was just fun to do. It was great. Was this process different for, for you versus the other books, considering like the books that have been written about you, you really didn't have an involvement the way the way Steve has had with the book I'm working on with him? Yeah, and I think it's a little scarier um, being involved in it this way where you're trying to tell your story. You're going to forget things. 
you're going to, you know, the book's going to come out and be in, in stores and, and you're going to go, oh, man, we forgot to put that in there. <laughs> right. You know, well, this we, ain't the last, this ain't got to be the last book. Right, right, you right. You know, but. That would have uh, been good advice a couple years ago, Nate. We might have, we got to move it on. We've already done there. that like uh, a half dozen times. Right. We're going through the manuscript. Well, you know, yeah. when you, if you got the time. But I, I found it to be a little scarier because you're talking about, you know, you're putting yourself out there, and I've read your book, Steve, and it's the same way. I think, you know, you're really laying yourself out there for people to judge you, yeah. you know, and, 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 and pick apart your, your, your decisions at certain points in your life and pick apart the perception that you had uh, and agree or disagree with you. It's really, you're just kind of, it's just like any time you put a tweet out on social media. You, you write the tweet. And you putting it out there, and people can go, nah, don't like it. I don't agree with it. Right. I hate it. Uh, same way with writing a book. But I think having read Steve's, I, a lot of people will credit Steve with resurrecting my career. And he's going to tell you in the book how he, you know, how he took kind of control of his own career. And I think that a lot of people are going to find out just how – you know, a lot of people are already give him that credit to to being a big play, a big player, and a big part of why we why we're able to get ourselves back on track and get back to victory lane. But I think that they're going to learn just really how woven into all of that he was, and how much uh, how much more. I mean, he had so much influence. I think people are going to be surprised. I think by um, his leadership and how he navigated some very difficult times you know between not only not only with me but with jeff and and then the then the transition out of you know crew chiefing into uh, broadcasting so and i'm hoping people are going to see the relationship we have and and be that much more entertained when they listen to us on sunday yeah oh i because think so dale and i've been talking That's about this is yeah. is i loved trying to ring races with him as my race car driver but there's an inherent unbelievable amount of pressure that professional athletes feel. And I know everyone in life has pressure, but it's different when your decisions are measured on the front page of the paper or the sports section. Yeah. And and I've told Dale this, and he didn't need much convincing. Sunday afternoons are going to be so much fun because I love racing and he loves racing, and we're going to go up there and talk about it. And it's right. going to be – it's not different than these shows. We talked about Kenseth today. We just – I mean, we didn't have much – there was no such thing as a script. It was like, what are we going to talk about? Well, let's talk a little bit about Kenseth. Yeah. And it's very natural, and I'm excited – to I, I like working with him. You know, we had these big plans. Like, oh, I'm going to have all this time. I'll go do TV, and he's going <laughs> to drive. We couldn't spend any time together because when you're live, when they yeah. professionally don't align, yeah, right. you're busy. Right. So now that they professionally align, it's so we much easier. We see each other all the time yeah. now, and it's great. You guys will be I sick mean, of each really other do. by September. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, I'm just kidding. I hear about it from people who hear this podcast. I mean, yeah. the, the first good. episode, obviously, like they hear the rapport and yeah. can tell you guys like being on I'll be I'll be straight up. Like when he – when I heard that he was leaving uh, the top of the pit box, I cried like a baby. No kidding. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, my first reaction was to cry because this was my best friend. Right. And we were really in the middle of great things together. You know, this was – this uh, we were just you – were you were winning at your job with your best friend every day. And, and so – it was really emotional, and we had gotten so – I mean, I, I can't speak for Steve, but I feel like we had gotten so 
uh, we had taken for granted, I think, seeing each other all the time. Yeah, you yeah, know? exactly. Right, right. We, had, we enjoyed it so much, and we leaned on each other and, and made each other's – we made each other better people, you know. We talked about it. We're like, we're going to – you know, this is what you could do to be a better person. This yeah. is what you could do to be a better person right. here and there in your life, you know. Forget your work. And we both applied those things to our lives, and we were better people. But um, then he – you know, then he goes and – does the broadcasting and I'm racing and we never saw each other and it sucked, you know? And so, um, you know, we kept up with each other. We knew where each other was, what they were doing, but, uh, we never got to be together around each other in the same room anymore. But, um, as soon as we got all this figured out that we were going to be back together, I mean, me and him have been excited and, uh, you know, exchanging, text back and forth about how excited we are and how much we're looking forward to it and i think that you know being around steve i've learned a lot and i've i've uh it's sort of the same thing i'm coming i feel like i'm coming into this job as a broadcaster the same way i came into the job driving his car he's he knows what he needs uh for me to do and uh for us to be successful he's going to tell me what that what you know what what to expect and so forth and he's been He's been the same way coming into the broadcasting job. He's like, you know, you're going to you're gonna have to do this, this, and this. Expect this and this and this. Everything's been true. He's not, we're not, he's not competitive. We're not competitive with each other. We want to see each other succeed and be happy because we want each other to be here, you know. It's really cool. I will say, <laughs> I hope I can help him with this because my wife reminded me that I've only changed five diapers. <laughs> So, because somebody, help somebody on asked on Twitter, be like, have you given Dale any, like, fatherly advice? You have two kids. And I told Trish that tweet, and she looked at me with this look of, like, how dare you? And I kind of <laughs> right. was looking at her, and she was like, five. You have t- two children, and you've changed five diapers. Oh, man. She says, if I hear you giving father, I'm like, can't help you, bud. Sorry, I'm not allowed to give any advice. But listen, they're kind words, but this is the deal. It's fun. You and I have talked about this. It's a fun group. I enjoy those uh, roundtable shows because we talk about – important stuff and it's fun i still can't get over the two headsets so nate you're gonna yeah. have to get this work see that's the that's the that's a deflection because uh, the one thing that steve does not like to do is talk about his feelings <laughs> can you see <laughs> well he's from he's, he's from new england it's, 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 it's a main thing yeah. go, go to the headphones. Yeah. i didn't cry until the last the last <laughs> i'm glad you pointed that the out. last race i've noticed I that about it, him yes. I'm glad you pointed i that held out. it together until the last <laughs> the last moment of our last race i was doing so good and then i cried like a baby it came out of nowhere i know you should have saw his face because he was like, now? <laughs> like, right, right now? now? I'm trying to, like, go do something. I got to go race a car, yeah, man. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, speaking of racing, uh, we usually don't go over 30 minutes, but I want to just hit real quick that Kenseth and Bain. One thing I didn't hear today, that you guys didn't. You guys covered a lot of ground uh, during Wednesdays with Dale Jr. on the Matt Kenseth topic, but one thing I didn't hear that was, for me, one of the big questions from the news conference was the, the vagueness of Matt Kenseth's deal here. I mean, so, so listen, I think that's by design. Let's, right. let's just go right. back and look. Right. Okay, so Roush Fenway has two drivers, right. has a, a litany of sponsors that sponsor those two drivers, and they have made, I won't call them major, they've made adjustments for two years now. And other than a couple Super Speedway wins, which I'm not discounting because they're wins and the trophies are in the thing, the rest of it I don't see as sustainable. So a broadcaster in the sport goes, man, I'm trying to find a way to get people to love Roush Fenway Racing and partners to get on the car, but in good faith, I can't try to sell. What am I selling? 
And today I heard an announcement that made that property now more oceanfront. It mm-hmm. just went up. The value of Roush Fenway Racing, the value of that logo, the value of their race cars, the value of that company, in my mind, has gone up. Even if there's, like, no definitive, I think here's how long he's driving no the car. Be- I think because, because of that. Okay. That's because, because if they had come out and said, here's the fix, I'd have been like, BS. Yeah. You don't know that's the fix. Yeah. What they said is, here is the path to a fix. Right. And this is our – we're going to put our – value in what Matt Kenseth can do and he's the path and we don't know if he's going to drive five or 20 we don't know if he's going to go out at Kansas and say we're close or we're back like I love the fact that they didn't try to put structure around everything some things you have to kind of like not every road trip can be planned A to B with every stop sometimes you have to say hey man it's cold here we're heading south we're going to get on 85 and see where we go and that's what I heard from Roush Fenway they said where we're at's no good we've been to the right it's no good so we're going to go left and that involved Matt Kenseth, but we are not going to put a lot of structure around this other than we have a new partner with Wyndham Rewards. Thank goodness for coming on board. We appreciate it. Matt Kenseth is going to drive some, and I heard I'm going to do more than just drive. Those are all the right things in my mind for a company the size of Roush Fenway's to to try to change direction. I mean, you, you know Matt really well, Dale. How many races do you think we will see him do? Do you think we'll see him beyond this season? Do you, do you have any sense of how long do you think he'll be driving? If I had to guess, I, I would I would think that if I'm an owner uh, of the team, my hope would be that Matt comes in there, performs really well, fires up the new partner, and we put together a deal for 2019 to run full time. That's my hope as an owner. If I'm an owner in the car of of that car, is that uh, this change brings performance, right? And I think that if that's you know, if that's the situation, you know, I think that's what Matt wants. And, and Matt said he doesn't think that he's a long-term solution for the six car. He knows he's, you know, 44 years old, 45 years old, whatever yeah. that is. He sees an opportunity to come in and try to improve the team and help the team on all fronts. And he thinks he can do that. And they need him to do that. And he loves – he's going to love feeling wanted and needed. Uh, he comes in there and does really well in the car. The you know fires up some partners, sparks some interest from corporate America to get involved in the team, and then they can move on into the next season with Matt as a full time driver. You know I don't believe that they keep Matt and Bain together as a part time deal. That mm-hmm. doesn't happen. Right. Uh, if Bain, if you're Trevor Bain, you want to get in something you can win in. Trevor Bain's in a position where, uh, much like. Justin Algar was in years ago, where he's got a partner that believes in him in Avocare. If he can, if he, if I'm him, I'm on the phone with them right now, and and talking to them about, do, do you know, or do you want to work with me in the future? Can, we'll go, we we'll, can go over here and look at this opportunity, or look at this opportunity in the Xfinity or Truck Series or wherever it is. I would be trying to make sure that I had a very strong relationship with them, because that's going to be the key component to making any move for him beyond his you know to continue his drive to have the sponsor to have the money behind you he is not going he is unlikely i'll say he's unlikely to get an opportunity that's going to be rewarding without some financial support so i if i were him i would be uh working to secure that financial support if that's with if that's with advocare that's where i would start and then i would take that opportunity and get in something that i know I, I know is good proven equipment, something that I feel like I can win in. And that could, whether it's trucks or Xfinity, I would go where I could win because he has to 
rebuild his reputation as a race car driver. And that's the only way to do it is to go win races, you know, and run well. Uh, there, There is another alternative. I mean, you know, guys have been able to get in cars and take those cars and elevate them. You know, you like and, – and these are very rare – you know, like McDowell. I think McDowell has gotten in his car this year, and it's run better. Yes. And, and, his, and, that, and bringing – and him coming in there is going to get some of that – he's going to get some of that credit for that happening. No matter where the credit belongs, mm-hmm. McDowell's going to get some of it, right? He's looked upon as, wow, man, maybe this guy's got some real talent or more talent, you know, maybe more talent than we thought he had last year. You know, anytime a driver gets in an underperforming car and raises the level of performance, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But that's a bit longer of a process if you're a driver trying to get into winning equipment in the Cup Series. That's a longer route to take. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. But that's the route some guys do take. I think if you're Trevor Bain, I'd step back down a series or two, get in winning cars at that level. Like one, one name jumps out. And if, have if, some fun. If no one can think of anybody other than Elliot Sadler. Right, right. I like Elliot Sadler. Sure. I consider him a friend. He had a winning cup career, winning races, yeah. multiple races. And I would argue that his partnership with One Main Financial and his success at Junior Motorsports has extended his career beyond the years probably even he could have imagined. And because he earned it, because he said, you know what? I'm comfortable here. I can win here. I can successfully match up with my partners here. Great for him. Yeah, yeah. He's almost been as long in the Xfinity series now as it's the great. Cup series. It's great it's, for him. It's, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's. Crazy. I'm telling you, in five years, we're going to look back and say that today's announcement was the change of course for a major race organization to stay in business and yeah. come back to winning ways. I will say that perception is often the most important, and what Trevor needs to try to do is change the perception of Trevor, and. Justin was a guy that I talked about earlier. When he first came into the series, when he first came into NASCAR with Penske, the perception was that he was a really fast race car driver, ran in the top three when he would drive their Xfinity cars. They went another direction, and his opportunities diminished, and he ended up in the Cup Series, and then the perception of him changed drastically for the worse. That maybe he Very didn't true. have what it takes. Right. All right, and having worked closely with him, and been, and now that he's at Junior Motorsports, how he's won races and watching, watch me, him in my car, I watch him every lap, just about. So I watch him more than I used to. So my perception of him now has changed for the better because he's gotten in our cars. He runs really hard. He runs really smart. He the his restart at Chicago last year. Yeah. Average drivers don't do that. Right. He went and stole that win. Right. You know. And there's more to him than I imagined at one point. So that's he he changed the perception. And I think that if I was going to pull a driver, if I had to say, man, I need a guy that can run my cup car tomorrow, I'd go probably get Justin out of the Xfinity Series if I had to pick somebody from the Xfinity Series because Justin's rebuilt my belief and trust in him. Hmm. And I think that Trevor needs to try to change that perception, and that's by, you know, getting in winning stuff. And I think that if he has a great – partnership he'll be able to have that you know the pick of the opportunities that he wants right is there any way steve to avoid it being awkward for bain in the six car for however long the rest of the season i think they're past awkward yeah i think (laughs) if anybody finds this awkward then um shame on them i mean let's just be honest stats tell a pretty accurate story comparing to the field comparing your own teammates there's a hundred different ways you could do this if at any point trevor bain is 
shocked or anything like that, then shame on his own management team and Roush Fenway for leading him down this path of disbelief that everything was going to be okay. Right. Uh, should he be upset? Sure. I mean, the emotion comes into it. Is it going to be awkward the first time they meet? Yes. But I think that Trevor Bain should be, and I will say is, smart enough to realize the more awkward this is, the worse it is probably for me. Check your feelings at the gate. Yeah, because I think, I think yeah. he has to look at this. You know, it's a cliche, and people say it all the time, right? Everybody's lives take paths you don't realize, but some of them turn into these great opportunities you didn't think was happening. I'm not saying this is going to be one, but, but he needs to look at what possible outcome is a good opportunity for me in this situation and listen to people like Dale. What he just said, I wouldn't have thought of. Like, I wouldn't have thought down the partner road. He did, right? If I'm Trevor Bain, people need to understand, drivers are subcontractors. He is not an employee of Roush Fenway. Dale Earnhardt Jr., was not an employee of Rick Hendrick. He was Dale Earnhardt Jr. He has his own brand, his own this. Now, he drove for Rick, was very successful. He drove his dad's company, very successful. But Dale had to worry about Dale and his own brand and his own partners. Kevin Harvick is a master at that. He has his partners that follow him where he wants to go drive. Trevor Bain needs to circle the wagons, his inner circle, whoever that is, and somebody needs to be worried about the business side. Somebody needs to be worried about the competition side. Like, he should have – and I'm not saying it has to be these professional – might be his wife, might be a family member. I don't know. But it's time to get the sounding boards together, let the emotions die down, and handle it as a professional. And then he should yeah. hopefully could you know extend his professional career. Right. I expect that to happen too, because knowing Trevor and he's he's pretty buttoned up and level headed, I think that he'll handle this with a very yeah. professional manner. And he'll you know hopefully, I think that you know knowing Trevor, a week or so is going to go by, and he's going to relish the opportunity every time he gets in that six car. He's going to say. It might, even, it might even relish the conversations he has with Matt, which may start awkward. <laughs> right. But he could pull, pull from Matt right. Shorth, you know. Right. He's going to know that this is the final few opportunities to get what he can, know, learn what he can, and prove what he can, right? And even starting to change that perception even before he goes to the next chapter. All right. So before we wrap up, this was the fifth Wednesdays with Dale Jr. today. This is the fourth NASCAR America debrief. And sadly, this will be the last one for a little while for yeah. you. <laughs> you had, who has I've, a kid midseason? What yeah, kind of commitment yeah, is this? You have bigger things, bigger fish <laughs> to fry. Yeah, this my moment. wife's about to have a baby, so I'm going to take a break. I'm not going to be on NASCAR America uh, during the month of May, nor this podcast. But as soon as uh, June rolls around, we're cranking right back up. So we'll be here every week. All right, man. Looking forward to it. Good luck with everything going Thank on you. in your personal life as well. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks for listening to NASCAR America Deep. With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.